Shooters Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooters Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every day. Every day. We offer same-day shipping. Shooters Connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster, Shooters Connection is the only name you need to know. Online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. Got the whole crew with Jeff mumbling stuff in the background because he's <laughs> he's he's literally the one who hit start on this and he knew it was starting. He hit record and then he's still muttering and mumbling and saying stuff. I don't even know what he's saying, but we can cut that. We can cut him off. But nope, staying in, staying in there. All right, this is the hit factor. As you guys heard, this is we are sponsored by Shooters Connection. So big shout out to them and thanks to them. We got all three guys on tonight. Jeff, our Resident GM single stack shooter, Sasquatch, our resident GM production shooter. I guess you're shooting production now, and you've been shooting all year. These days, uh, and I am unclassified in production. Just not that. Just not that good in that one. So, uh. We are like the the season is kind of like it's kind of busy. Like it's actually super busy right now, but it's actually kind of like winding down, right? Like nationals is coming up here in a couple of weeks. People are probably cramming and practicing hard, and getting ready for that. Yeah. Uh, yep. Jeff and I you are not calming down. My season's insane right now. So, you know, Pan Americans were I left on a Thursday, got back on a Tuesday, then left on a Friday for Area Four. And then this Friday, I got back Sunday night. And then this Friday, I leave for Fall Classic. And then right after we finish shooting on Sunday, I'm driving six hours north to shoot Iowa. I thought Fall Classic was like in your backyard. It's three hours south. Oh, so in your backyard. That's yeah, how far Jeff drives us for like a local match. Yeah, I've, I've driven three hours for a local, if you want to call that local. We, Club some, match, of us, I guess. some of the guys here in Kansas City in the wintertime will occasionally drive down to Tulsa for a local just because the weather is nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy town. <laughs> crazy, crazy town. All right. Pan American. I think Jeff and I talked about it a little bit last episode, but since we have firsthand, firsthand knowledge, how was Pan American? Sasquatch, no, kind of just it. give like uh, first, just tell us like kind of like the format of the match and and all that stuff, like who was there, uh, and how they did it. So, so Pan Am's obviously it's an Ipsic match. Uh, it's a like continental championship, so it's Pan Am basically is for North and South America. So you know, Canada through Argentina or Chile. I don't know what's the farthest South country in South America. Uh, so standard Ipsic match. So it's the same game, slightly different set of rules. Uh, probably the, the biggest changes that are going to, for people that aren't familiar with them, are you, you can't cut the, the lines in Ipsic, so you have to stay within the shooting area. Uh, you can't leave it across, take a shortcut, anything like that. Um, other large changes, production to 15-round division. Uh, I think traditionally throughout the world, production still the largest division in Ipsic. 
And then CO is called Production Optics in IPSC, and it also has a light version uh, that's 15 rounds, both of those. Uh, standard is slightly different. It's the version of Limited, so it's you have to fit a box that's actually slightly smaller than the production box. So generally your uh, 40 cal guns are going to be 18 or 19 rounds instead of 20, 21. You're shaking There's your head no. 17, right? Oh, dude, my old Ipsic mags were 19. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think they were 19. Maybe it was 18, but I thought it was 19. Because like a, like a stock STI mag won't fit that box. Uh, no, no. Use a, a basically in the U.S. You buy like a <coughs> a Dawson wedge base pad and use a Grams kit. But I, I'm thinking my mags were 19. I don't know. I got rid of those a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I'm, like the factory capacity in a, t- a tax port is 17. So I think getting those to 19 wouldn't be terribly difficult. But I might be wrong. I haven't tried. Uh, and then like open is 170 millimeters instead of 171.25. Those are going to be your, your largest changes there. Uh, otherwise Ipsic is, I think proper Ipsic, I guess you would say something like that match. You're going to, you're generally going to see a lot more difficult shooting, less like hosey stuff. You might have a, you know, an eight round stage that has three positions in it type of deal. So it's stuff that's driving the hit factors down. Uh, meaning it's a little more balanced toward accuracy over just raw speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, points down or, or uh, Charlie's Delta certainly hurt you quite a bit more. Um, they also don't have the rule about how much target is available or how much A zone's available. So, you know, you know, some of the targets we saw were like you'd have half a swinger that's only available at the top that was fast at, you know, 15, 20 yards or whatever. And yeah. So, extreme, you know, quite a bit more difficult shooting as well as a lot more freedom for the stage designers on strong hand and weak hand, which is something I really like about it. Like, you can have a 20-round a stage that's strong hand only or, you know, a 15-round stage that's weak hand only. I do think that is a interesting change that I wish was incorporated more in USPSA. Yeah, Ipsic seems to challenge – I mean, it challenges shooting skills more than than, than- – uspsa i mean as far as like accuracy uh because lower hit factors but it does seem to me to just challenge more different skills like Mm -hmm. you you tend to just see more different stuff and yeah i I think i think some of that is in the u.s i think uh, the shooting's got much more faster pace so generally you see in Ipsic, you're not generally going to see like two targets at the same height, same distance, side by side. Like, right. you're you're not really going to see that. Where you go to any uh, local match in the U.S., you're probably going to see like four targets, like double stacked right beside each other for super fast shooting. Yeah, and that kind of that kind of stuff draw or pushes the hit factor down in Ipsic, which makes it a little more balanced toward the side of accuracy over just raw speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, overall format of the match, though. So it was a four-day event. So you shot six stages uh, each day. Either on the you shot uh, morning, afternoon, morning, afternoon, or afternoon, morning, afternoon, morning. And then, uh, so your first day there, you, you actually have to do gun check. Something we don't do in USPSA. Or I've never seen. So they'll go through, do a safety check on your gun, make sure all your equipment's in compliance. 
Uh, one of the ROs actually broke a shadow tooth that I brought for a friend of mine from Canada to use. Uh, so anyone familiar with the shadow tooth, like the, you know, it's a DASA gun. So essentially the safety functions similar to a 1911 safety in single action where it blocks the sear from moving. Mm-hmm. Now you can sometimes force the safety up when it's in like half cock. Yeah. And it'll still touch the sear, but the sear is not actually doing anything with the hammer. Right. But if you yank on that trigger, you essentially you're pushing metal out of the way between the safety and the sear. So the RO dry fired my other shadow too, a whole bunch with it on like half cock. And then he put the safety on when it was in single action. I was like, oh, your safety doesn't work now. I'm like, yeah, it did five minutes ago before you broke parts. Why was he dry firing the gun? Uh, it was for the safety check, but he was not doing it correctly. Like He did not understand how the Shadow 2 system worked. So I ended up having to get the RM over there <laughs> to basically wow. the RM shoot him down. It was like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Do not do that. Like That's not how the gun works. This is after I explained to him how the trigger system works in a Shadow 2. Yeah, like uh, this. So that's that kind of brings up like a topic that it I think is uh, at least worth addressing a little bit. Is it seems like oftentimes the matches, like when you go to matches, um, they put the least competent person in as the RO of Chrono, and <laughs> like these guys, like they barely know the rules and they're not familiar with like just general gun handling like like they just don't know many guns at all and so then like yeah like they don't even know they don't know how to do a safety check they don't know like i went to i went to one match somewhere and uh their box was out of spec like it was too small like it was it was built to like minimum specs versus you know our box has a like uspsa box like there's a spec for it and then there's you have certain amount of allowance, which basically means you get that allowance. Like Jared was talking about that 171.25, that 1.25 on our, on the open mags. That's really a, it's, they're supposed to be 170 millimeters, but they gave you that 1.25 millimeters as just a, just so that they wouldn't, so that people wouldn't get like, uh, shooting for no score just for something really minor right well at some point like you just have to make the line the line and so that it ends up being 171.25 so this guy had a box that was like to the actual specs and didn't have those those slight overances to it and so he goes and puts my single stack in it and like it barely goes in his box which my box like it drops my it drops in like there's plenty of tolerance down. it barely goes in and then he runs a ruler over the top of it and it's like hitting my grips and he's like oh your your gun doesn't fit i'm like yes it does like this gun has been to four nationals uh and a couple ipsic nationals like it it is to it will fit and he's like oh wait there this you get you get a little bit of extra width here and so it's like it's the width of a penny so he was like look, digging in his pocket for change and he grabs like two pennies and sets them on top of the edges of the box and then takes his straight edge and runs it over my gun and it, and it clears it. Then he's like, Oh, okay, you're good now. But you get you, but you're really close. It's like, 
wait a second. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, but like, that's, oh that's not uncommon for the, like the chrono to be run that way mm. such that like people don't really know what's going on. They don't know how to run the chronos. Like I've had to tell people yeah. how to work like the lab radars before, like, Hey, you need, here's how you do this. Uh, and that I, I, I guess maybe that's a, uh, problem in Ipsic as well. Sounds like, you know, talking about the chrono, that's something I, like I have not ran into here in the U S or for in USPSA in my area. Uh, so, um, some of our listeners and I'm sure Jeff knows them, like Tony wall often works chrono at major matches in our area. Yeah. And, and I mean, he's, he's pretty squared away. Like I've never ran into him not knowing like exactly what he's doing. Chrono's a quick, easy process with him. Yeah, I agree. And, he does a good job. And, and I will say I generally run into, far more ROs that are doing a great job than I do that provide like any type of concern. I mean, there's always things you're learning as you go and it's everybody's, you know, first match they've worked or first big match they've worked or something, but generally those guys are pretty squared away. Um, I kind of can, you know, continuing on that though. So after gun check and stuff, then first day you'll shoot uh, six stages. And one of the changes in IPSC two from USPSA is you're not just going to show up and shoot a bunch of 32-round field courses. Uh, Ipsic has a what's called a 3-2-1 rule. So you'll have three shorts, two mediums, one long. And that'll be, uh, I think traditionally, that's going to be broken down into an area of the match. So like, if you look at the Ipsic results, uh, you'll see like area one, two, three, and four. And and that's what it was. You would you'd shoot three short courses, two mediums, one long each day. Um, nice. Probably on the shooting side of stuff, probably one of the toughest things at that match that were definitely the swingers. Like those things were a bear. It was like, like calling, calling shots on them was like, at least for me, it was like good luck. It was like, there was a couple where I, I took three passes on one. It was like, yep, there's two on that one. You get down there, there's a mic. And there was one I took four passes on. And I'm like, yeah, two of those were good. One was a probable hit. One I know didn't hit it. Walked down there. Mm. There's a mic. It's like they they were uh, they were tough. It definitely yeah. separated the you know top guys like Heatherton or or Sal that you know finished really high in the match uh, from the rest of us. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I think Ipsic uses moving targets a lot more than we, we what we normally see. Uh, yeah, and, and of course, something to remember too is the Ipsic target is the turtle target, so it's the only target you can shoot paper in Ipsic. And I think the A zone's about thirty percent smaller on there, something like roughly that. or something like that, uh, just with the with the different shape. But it also without the the like shoulders coming out straight on the target or the the top sides is there's quite a bit less target that's catching those uh you know those lucky misses. Well, I mean, especially on a swinger, like if you end up aiming just a little high, like that target gets real narrow real quick. Yep. Right. Whereas you, you were, you were probably, you very well could have been lined up to have a, a decently solid hit and you were just a little high. Whereas on a, on a USPSA, uh, whatever we call those class, are those, wait, which those are, we call the, the headed targets, metric targets. Um, which is weird, but on a metric target, uh, 
you you got a lot more room up there, especially on a swinger. That if you aim it, if you're a little high, you're you're still be okay. Yeah, and I didn't personally run into like any ROing issues there or anything. I know I had a few people grumbling that you know the the staffing wasn't what they would expect. And I was shooting with a lot of international guys, so I was the only U.S. guy on my squad. And you know there was there were some grumbling about little things. I didn't run anything. Uh, but I think it's important to note that with it being Pan Am, I believe there's a requirement that only a certain number of ROs could be from the host country. Uh, so we had a ton of ROs that were from, I mean, there was guys from France, Ecuador, Canada, you know, Argentina. There was, it was definitely a very uh, world attended event. And like on, on my squad, there was a few Canadians, some guys from uh, like Brazil, uh, a guy from Sweden, so it was a uh, was definitely a, an interesting experience. It's pretty cool. And overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it definitely shows me some shortcomings in in my game to work on, especially like those those tough swingers, and and really seeing those uh, you know, the overall target layout where you'll have a lot more transitions and stuff that are wider or coming from like closer to farther targets and just I think Mason said in one of his uh video reviews he did on YouTube like those international guys have really like they shoot the appropriate number or they shoot enough points in the appropriate time it's something that's uh you know it's, I think it's a good way to look at it because U.S. You can get away with dropping a lot more Charlies and stuff than you're going to want to do in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you start getting the uh, the hit, fa- hit factor starts getting around five, you know, then a a Charlie's costing you almost half a second. Yeah, and it, there was a lot of three and four hit factor stages on that. Or, yeah, yeah, three three to four hit factor stages. Yeah, so you get to like a four hit factor, and a Charlie is is half a second. A Delta is a full second. Yeah. And a miss a, at a three fit hit factor, a miss is worth five seconds. So you start talking about taking an extra swing or even two or even three on a swinger that's fast. That's better than a miss. Yep. I, I was yeah. chatting with uh, one of the international guys who, who shoots quite well, but a little bit about swingers. I was like, man, those things were tough and it's hard for me. He's like, yeah, all those swingers in that match were like three to four pass swingers. Like that's mm. just how you had to shoot them. Which is yeah. actually swingers is something that I never really work on. Yeah. Like, I don't know that I've ever shot swingers in practice. And I think it's because, I mean, typically what we're seeing here is the swingers are, are reasonable enough that you're, you know, you're either taking like two shots on it when it's at the bottom dwell, or if it is a top only swinger, it's not terribly difficult to shoot. But uh, I think that's something I'll probably revisit and borrow a swinger from my uh my club and train on it a little bit yeah probably a good idea it's a match that i definitely like they they were supposed to have that match i think yeah it was two years ago i think was the first time they were supposed to have that match and obviously that was covid and didn't happen i don't think it happened that year and then last year was like still kind of covid and i think they i think they had it last year but I don't no. think there was a lot of people there. Did no, they not no. have it Pan- last year? Uh, so it Pan Am's uh, like every three years. It's oh okay it's not every year. So the last one was twenty. 
2018, I think. And it was in like hmm. somewhere, I think, in South America last time. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe was. Jamaica or maybe it was the Caribbean. I think it was maybe Jamaica last time or something. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a match I want I would like to shoot. Um Yeah. But I'm not sad that I wasn't there this time. Yeah, weather weather conditions were, were not ideal. Uh I got hammered with a lot of rain, so it was pretty wet. I, I do think, though, after shooting it, I'm going to try to attend uh, Europeans next year. Uh, I believe they're in Greece next year. Yeah, that'd be a fun match. That'd be a really fun match. All right, so then Area 4 was... I don't know if Sasquatch... Sasquatch is frozen, but I don't know if you can... No, I'm not talk. frozen. I'm right oh, here. There he is. Uh, Area four was also this was this past weekend and Sasquatch won area four uh in yep. production. Congratulations. I think there were thirteen shooters in production. Big big division this year. Big turnout. To be fair, like yeah. this I mean like uh IDPA nationals were that same weekend, uh Ipsic Nationals were that weekend, so that kind of took some top top names, but that was also coming off of the two previous weekends were Pan American and Karyoptics National. So pretty much all the all the big name shooters had been shooting and traveling to shoot quite recently. And so I don't think a trip to Oklahoma um was really high on their priority list to to do. Um so it's just a little yeah, bit of the- tough scheduling there, I think. It's unfortunate that it wasn't more attended. Uh, as usual, Chad, the Area Four director, would he, he's a very good match director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, he was the Oklahoma section coordinator before he became Area Four director. So I've shot a lot of the matches that he's been involved with. Always does a uh, very solid job there. Uh, so I'll you know start out with the the conversation area four since Chad threw out a message uh, thanking his staff. Well, I want to mention those guys real quick. So obviously Chad, the area director, uh, threw out a thanks to his local crew of Kelly Raglan, Ian Sacker, Adam Roper, Derek Bison, or Bryson, sorry, Shane Richards, Shane Atwell, John Rubin, Brandon Debout or Debout. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Rick DeVore, and then he said anyone else he might have missed. So, obviously, those guys and the RO staff and stuff, you know, the overall was a very well-ran match. Uh, I think we actually finished, like, 30 or 40 minutes ahead of schedule. So Nice. He runs a little different format than you see at a lot of places. So, he normally, you'll shoot, like, eight stages on the first day and be done at, like, 3 o'clock. And then the second day, you'll come back and shoot, like, your last four stages and they have a little break and then awards. So I think we were on the road home by one. And then of course, yeah, we finished shooting. We actually ran and grabbed some lunch after we finished shooting, came back, waited around a little bit for awards. And then, you know, Chad got right with it and had us on the road in a timely manner. Nice. Um, you know, similar to, uh, what I'd call a little more Ipsic. Like one thing Chad does well is, you're not going to see a lot of just like, here's, you know, eight shots all in like one position that are super close together. He's, he, he's good about putting a lot of like depth change and height change and, and space between the targets on transitions. 
which probably why my why I shot so many deltas or certainly mm-hmm. assisted on that part of it. And then yeah. generally does a pretty good mix of some medium and short courses. Obviously, as is pretty typical in USPSA, a lot of uh, you know thirty thirty two round stages, but. I certainly hope uh, Mel, the new Area 4 director, kind of continues on with the the tradition Chad has set on the Area 4 match. This will probably be the... Oh, there's a good chance this will be the last Area 4 match at USSA. Yeah, well, I don't know. So, you know, for people who've been around for a while, you probably remember, like, Area 4 has traditionally always moved around a little bit. So it's it's kind of it, it's normally in one range for like two years. So it's like it was at USA USSA this year and last year. I think it was at uh, Fort Smith two years prior to that, right? Then I think mm-hmm. the year before that it was somewhere down in Texas. So it's traditionally kind of moved around its area. So hopefully, yeah, that's the only reason it was at USSA was because of Chad and he was the yeah. area director, and now he's not going to be the area director. So I'm not sure we'll see it there again. I mean, yeah, I guess we'll, it's possible, but we'll, yeah, it just kind of depends the how Mel decides to do it because every area is a little different. So like, Area Three is traditionally and always in Grand Island. It has been for like 12 years. You know, Hornaday puts a bunch of support to it, wants it in their area, make sure it stays up there, which is good because you always know where it's at. But then I kind of like the format that area four is done where it's moved around a little bit because you do get some different shooters based on where it's at you know yeah. as you get like you get down to texas you're going to draw a little different crowd than you will when it gets to like arkansas just yeah. based on who's within reasonable oh, yeah. driving distance yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if we don't see area four in oklahoma for quite a while i mean mel's yeah. down in houston i believe uh so Oklahoma's a long ways from Houston. Yeah, and he, he may keep it in his area. I, I guess it it also depends on how he chooses to do it, like if he's going to run the match strictly or if he's going to outsource it to a club. Right. So some, I, yeah, we don't know that. I don't know that. At yeah. Least. Yeah, I mean, that, that's probably a to-be-decided type thing. I'm sure we'll know when mm-hmm. matches start popping up for next year, but I, hopefully, like, the, the flavor and the style, hopefully that continues to match. I mean, you know, Chad's has, done a great uh, job there. Has Mel run – like matches do we know of any that he's run i i don't know i i've i've really other than like seeing him around i've never really interacted with mel so i just don't don't know enough about him to know that stuff yeah yeah i've shot with him a time or two but i don't no idea his philosophy on on how to build a match no no real idea yeah i didn't i hadn't i didn't think that i had heard of like a major that he had run um, but maybe he has. I don't know. I don't. I don't keep up with that many matches in Texas. So. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll know within a year. Yeah, we'll see, huh? Hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, so guess... let's run over the. Or do you have something else, Jared? No, I'm just gonna mention that for for me, anyways. Area four. You know, I was. Uh, I think I did a little better. Uh, you know, shooting a little quicker. Uh, I think my times were pretty respectable in the match. And then uh, I, I did manage to shoot it clean while using the entire target. I shot about every Charlie that was available in the match, nice. as well as a, a sufficient number of deltas. But 
At least they all stayed on the brown paper. Hey, as long as you can keep them on the brown, that that's a big that's a big step. I, I like my second to last stage of the match. I shot like a two. It was like a thirteen second stage run. I shot it like two seconds faster than anybody else. But I shot so many points down, it was like a eighty five percent. Oh wow, nice. But it was like I think it was eighteen rounds. I had like seven Charlies and two Deltas. It's like yeah, that's a uh, not great. I mean, you only had ten deltas on the. You didn't have that many. You did have quite a few Charlies, um, but not even the most in production. So still it wasn't pathetic. the most in production. But you have to go to seventh place, which is fifty percent as far as people, <laughs> uh, before somebody shot more Charlies. Yeah, but he did yep. shoot the fastest time by like twenty-ish seconds. Yeah. It was quite fast in comparison to the the other production shooters. So, not bad, Jared. Not bad for a, for a big heavy guy. Yeah, I was uh, I was happy with my shooting. That's good. You should good. be. We'll say. Uh, I think I think he's local to you, uh, Brett Thomas. Yeah, right. No, he's, he's been training range? on my. He's been training on my range. Ah, so you're. I, I almost asked him when I talked to him. He said he had got a real range access now. Was doing more more work we chatted a little bit i told him not to train up too hard for nationals though because i don't want him beating up on me there dude he's shooting he's i get a text every day hey i'm coming to go shoot it's like okay Excellent. So he's he's putting it like he i talked to him like a well just he told me like a week or two ago he's like i got this many weeks before nationals and i got seven thousand rounds to shoot or something like it, you know it's not that it wasn't that many weeks and it's like well you're gonna be shooting a lot you're gonna burn through all those before, <laughs> before nationals I think uh, I think he shot pretty well because there there's a couple of stages like I had pretty solid runs on him. I'm like, yeah, I think that stage went a hold through. And at the end of the day, I looked and it was like, oh, that stage win became a 95. percent He can he can throw down some pretty sporty stuff. Uh, I kind of want to. I'm busy right now, but I I want to sneak down there and and mess with him while he's uh, while he's training some to see what see what all he's got <laughs> going on. Um, Good. Yeah. Dude, it's tough like, to train to every day. Uh, like people, like people think, like that sounds great. It's actually, it's actually hard to do and do it well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at, at a certain point, it's uh, how much are you just like forcing it compared to actually learning from it? But can he's, be. He's a pr- he's a pretty smart dude. I think he's going to be out there with a the plan. Uh, yeah. I shot he, with him at drag. I shot with him at Dragon's Cup. He's obviously very good, and uh, he said he was on my squad for Nationals. So, oh, cool! Looking forward to shooting with him there as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Really good guy. Yeah. So, top three in production: uh, Jared, and then Brett Thomas, and then Trenton. Wow. Okay. Oh, I want to see this name. I think Sook- it's. I think it's Sukavif. I think. Sukavif. That sounds good. Let me see. Uh, he, oh, Sokovia. Uh, yeah. Okay. You said that with confidence. Yeah. Sokovia. Okay. We'll take it. Uh, I talked with him for a brief moment at the end of the match. Like, he was not someone I've ran into before. He is from Canada. Uh, he used to shoot a lot, I think. Like, shot like 2017 world shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think he took some time off. So he's just, I think he's shooting up a bunch, getting ready for world shoot this time. I assumed he was in the U.S. for Pan Am and then stuck around for an I, early match. 
I asked him, uh, how come he didn't shoot Pan Am? Because he wasn't there. He said he oh. just couldn't get in. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. There were two people that shot single stack. <laughs> so congratulations to them for first and second place. And last and second to last place. <laughs> That's right. Um, open. Craig Tappy coming in with a win. Boy, our, Craig Tappy. Our boy, Tappy. Our boy Craig. Top three was so close. Yeah. Craig and said, Khalib I, was fourth, right? Was Khalib yeah. fourth? Caleb, yeah. Caleb shot really well. Uh, which obviously, uh, Caleb was on my squad and he shot really well, but uh, Craig was one squad ahead of us. So we kept bumping into him and I was talking with him. He's like, he's like, man, I'm shooting some really fast stage times. I'm just not hitting it. He said, <laughs> but uh, apparently he, uh, he tightened that oh. up the last day. And it came out with the win. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he shot considerably faster than everyone else in open, but Henning coming in second and Ken Yang coming in third followed by caleb or Kaleeb. i don't think he likes to be called that but he accepts it from his friends so you probably shouldn't call him that <laughs> probably not i'll call him that i'm not scared <laughs> yeah, no, old caleb was uh doing work with the old checkmate there good i mean limited was the deepest division yeah uh, yeah what do we got in limited blake mcgez scott brown jack brown which those two are really close uh, and then Cody Axon and Travis Tomasi was rounding out the top five. Yeah. So looking nice. at the scores, Blake shot on like Friday or something, and he shot that match insanely fast for a limited gun. He was like twenty seconds quicker than I think second place. Well, not in limited. Uh, Scott Brown was only three seconds behind him. Oh, I thought he was uh, quicker. I thought. But then He's Jack was – he was 17 seconds faster than Jack, yeah. 15 mm-hmm. seconds faster than Cody. Yeah, but uh, anyways, he, sh- he shot the match uh, quite quickly with yeah. oh, uh, yeah. pretty pretty reasonable points overall. Blake's still really good. Oh, Blake's, uh, Blake's very good. Yeah. Did, yeah, Scott, did you shoot with Scott? No, he was on a different section than me. Uh, Cody was with me. Did Scott's uh, gun run this time? Uh. Scott had to find some replacement parts during the match. Yes. Okay. Oh my god. I've, no. Okay. So so he had a mangled like mag release, like it was all like like beat down, and he was he was uh he said something to Cody that he was having like some failures to feed, and I think his I think it was like beat down enough the mag was hanging just a little bit lower than it's supposed to. He was I mean, having probably, the failure to feed issues in area three. It's, oh, I'll, I'll bet you that mag release has been banged up for a while. Cause he had it out of the gun. I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, that mag release is fucked. Like you need a replacement. Uh, I think he, he found one at the match. I think Brian Conley gave it to him. Okay. Uh, Brian, Brian has like a, a rolling parts truck there. Actually, uh, for any of the CZ guys, if you, if you ever need a part, I did, give Brian a trigger return spring extractor and a slide stop for his van at area four. So he'll have it with him in the future. Should someone need a, a critical piece, you know, make sure you go talk to him. Uh, but I think he hooked a, 
Scotty up with a replacement mag release, and I believe he had no issues after replacing it. But okay, yeah. On an interesting topic, though, I will say like that that kind of stuff is why I think it's so important to have two identical guns for if you're seriously competing in a division for having two identical guns because if you have a training gun a match gun you keep that kind of stuff off of your primary gun like the gun you're shooting major matches with because i mean that's what i've i've never taken a a mag release out of a shadow two like it would probably take me months to figure out if the mag release looked like that in, my, in one of my shadows or my, my current AO ones, like I just, I don't, that's a part I never take out of the gun. Well, I, I don't mean, know. Yeah, that like, I'm kind of sitting here. I mean, I've got some pretty high round count guns with a lot of dry fire on them and I've yet to uh, replace the mag release. So he must've got a mag release with either he did something to it or he got one with some, really crappy metal and i probably wouldn't be buying that that particular brand mag release again i mean it'd be really easy for one not to be quite heat treated right and right you you know you don't catch it for forty thousand rounds it'd be pretty uh yeah pretty reasonable to see how that happens but i think it does it does showcase so why the the training and match gun philosophy is so important like you know i know know like a a custom 2011 is expensive but i don't I don't know what they're these days. You're probably talking like forty five hundred dollars is probably about going rate. I don't know there. what I think the atlases are are more than that, um, but I, I don't. I could be wrong. I, I think the atlases are like six. Jeez. Well, point being though, while that's a lot of money, you think uh, you think for the average person that's flying to an area match, right? You got your two hundred dollar entry, your four hundred dollar. Uh, flight, your four hundred dollar rental car and hotel, and another four hundred dollars for hotel. It's like, yeah, you're over a thousand bucks in to be at that match. To to show up with a with a beat to death gun doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, it, it's a really good idea to find a way to have two guns, even if even if you had to borrow one from from a friend or something it, until you can get a second gun of your own. I think it is a, a critical importance. Yeah, and I'm not, like, they don't necessarily have to be identical. They just got to be close enough. Like, yeah. like, I, like my guns aren't my guns aren't the same in limited or single stack. They're not exactly the same. They're, like, my limited practice gun is an original PT grip, and uh, the new one has an Evo grip. Like, they're totally different. But, like, so the guns and the guns aren't set up exactly the same, although they're, they're similar, like, they just got to be close enough. They don't have to be exactly the same. Yeah, and, and I can understand that for, like, some people, especially if the guns are pretty close. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't want a, a Glock to be your training gun for a, a Shadow 2, right? Right. I wouldn't want a totally different platform. But, yeah. And, but I think it's a little bit on the person, too. Like, me personally, I want to have to look at the serial number to tell you which gun I'm holding. Like, I don't. I want them to feel identical. Yeah as much as possible and it's not so much that i i i know it doesn't matter enough to matter but it makes me feel better knowing that they are identical yeah like you know they're the same sights same grips same trigger like i want them identical yeah my personal guns have always been my ex experimental guns so they're never set up exactly the same it's like oh let's try this one on this one let's try this one on this one 
but but they're close enough. But I mean, like, yeah, if I mean Scott and Jack, like they're going to enough matches, they're training enough that they definitely need. Uh, I would definitely be looking at having a having a practice gun and a match gun. And and you know when they first switched to twenty eleven, it wouldn't have been that big a deal when the guns are new, right? Right. Like, once you get a new gun, you have any kinks worked out, like you're not gonna have that odd stuff in the first twenty or thirty thousand rounds. But once that gun starts getting long in the tooth there, like random stuff like that can can break or come loose or wear out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's if you're gonna if you're gonna be invested in the sport um that is a that is a place to not skimp if there's any if there's any possible way to <coughs> to have a a backup and a and a match gun uh that would be a good idea the good news is i think scotty will have it sorted out and i'm sure he's going to be uh a force to be reckoned with at uh fall classic this weekend i hope he does it'll be his first match of the year if he finally gets it straightened out <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna keep giving him crap for it till he figures it out. Uh, I will. I will too. He's uh, hopefully he's got it all ironed out by uh, nationals because I think he will shoot quite well. Well, no, I mean that's the problem. That's the problem. Like Scott's too good to be be getting slowed down by gun issues. Like he's he's. I mean, yeah. like he is kind of from from what the the videos I've seen like. I don't think he's had a match this year where he hasn't had gun problems. And so like, like you, like all the work you're putting in, like, and this is, this is, I'm not just picking on Scott. This is anybody. Like if you're putting in work to this sport and then you're going to matches and like, and your stuff's not working, then like you have no chance to express the effort and the talent that you have. Like you're, like you're, you're screwed at that point. And so then you've wasted you've wasted the effort that you've put into the sport for pre- prepping for whatever that match is. If you're going to have it get ruined by equipment issues. I feel like yeah, it's kind a- of part of the progression though. I think I've, True. I see a lot of people that are, that are getting better, like kind of go through this, right? Like they kind of, they get good and they figure out they can shoot really well, but then they also have to figure out that, placing well means i also pay attention to these other things um so i feel like it all kind of runs together as a progression it's like i get good then i figure out how to place well then i put it all together and all of a sudden everybody knows my name kind of deal yeah well that's fair. talking on the pro- talking on the progression i mean it is progression as you're getting better you're obviously getting more rounds on your gun you're training more you're shooting more you're dry firing more i mean putting more wear and tear and until you've been around them for a while, you really don't you really don't know what parts are to replace. Like, you know, I, I figured out on a on a nineteen eleven or twenty eleven when I was pretty early on in my shooting, like a worn out firing pin return spring can make some really odd malfunctions, and basically <laughs> it'll allow it it can allow firing pin to continue sticking out of the breech face and stopping rounds from chambering, mm. and it's. It's an odd malfunction. I mean, the firing pin return spring will probably normally last the life of the gun, but a long time. But when it doesn't, it causes weird malfunctions that are super rare that you've chased and trying to figure out what they are. Yeah. So, like, I figured For, out that you just put a new one in when you change the recoil spring. Done. Never yeah, worry about really it again. Cheap. They normally come with the 
re- if you yeah. buy a wolf recoil spring, you get a firing pin return spring with it. Yep. Uh, okay. Using that as an example, something you you learn along the way. Area four, last division, carry optics. Unless y'all want to cover PCC as well, which no. we can. I don't. I don't want to hate. I do. Uh, Congratulations to PCC shooters. Let's talk about the pistols. <laughs> carry optics. Uh, Dazi Zhang coming in first, followed by Lane Grease, Jared Clanton, Emmett Reed, and then Luke Cow. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I will say, uh, I didn't shoot with Lane, but I shot with uh, Emmett. He is uh, from, I believe, the Austin area. Okay. I think he was up there with uh, Alex Acosta, mm-hmm. guys from that area. Uh, I hadn't shot with him before, but uh, he was shooting quite well. I really I was not going to be surprised if he was a contender for, for actually winning the match after the first day. Like, he he looked good. He was shooting fast, good points. So, I mean, I think it goes to show, like, CO is really interesting in regards of you have all these people that you just don't know them yet because they're newer to the sport, but they're killing it. Yeah, yeah, really. And there was... Uh, about 99 people. Yeah, 99 yes. people registered in CO. And the largest second division was open with 63 shooters. So, again, we're seeing the same same trend here. CO. How long are we going to see CO be the, the king division? Or will it be the king division until we add a new stupid division? I think it will be the King Division until they do something to push people somewhere else. Yeah. What what no, that will no be, thing. I don't know. Yeah. But if they do something that pushes people somewhere else, that will, I think CO will be a division that that takes a, a hit for it. Uh, it's got it has capacity. It's cheaper guns. You get a dot and cheaper ammo. So you like know, one other thing. It's, it's it's almost it's, an economical decision, I think, for a lot of people. I also think it's it's probably yeah. the division that has like the most like viable competitive gun options too. Like like realistically, like you go you, you go to like a major match with a lot of production people in it, like a good chunk of them are shooting a DASA gun either made by CZ or Tanfolio, right? Those are those are good, your most common things you're gonna see on the guy shooting that. Or you look at limited 2011. You look at open 2011. Those are going to be your most common guns. When you look at the competitive guys in CO, I mean, you see Canic, Shadow 2s, Glocks, P10s. Like, it's just got, like, the widest amount of guns that high-level shooters are using. Yeah. yeah, I think that comes with it just being a somewhat newer division. I think... I only I think that people only shoot those DASA guns in production because they were dominant in the past and people have just stuck with them and, and keep shooting. They're like, who? What? The, what are they shooting? Okay, they're shooting that. I'll shoot that. I mean, um, yeah, it, it could be. I just I kind of know. So it just seems like it's a, a trend of it. Yeah, Nobody's established. It's like it's like I have to buy this gun to shoot this division. Basically, is how I see it. Like it yeah. hasn't been like clear cut to everyone. It's like all right. All the best guys use this. This is what you should use. There you go. Yeah. And PCC. Uh, Greg Kunkel, count. first place. Corey 
I can't remember. I remember how to say the guy's last name. He was on the podcast a couple years ago. Yeah. Klemashevich. Klemashevich. Sure. Yeah, sounds right. I feel like that was a pretty good attempt. Corey K. And Josh Smith. All A4 residents. Grant Kunkel actually won one of our hats at the Ozarks. But, nice. yeah, I don't think he liked it very much. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's a listener. But if he is, good job, Grant. Congratulations on your win. Uh, yeah, so that wraps up Area 4. Um, what else? Y'all got some big news? Secondary news? Uh, I'm, I leave next week for mule deer hunt. That's all I know. Next week? Next week I leave for that. It's earlier than I wanted, but it was the only time my friend could go. So it gotcha. that is what it is. Uh, Good luck on your hunt. I feel wholly underprepared. Like I'm pretty feel like I'm just gonna get trashed out there, and it's hopefully hopefully I just find a deer. Like hopefully like I don't walk around for like seven days and not see anything. I just hope I find a deer. So a mule deer hunt, like there's usually like a, an accepted or a, a average like percentage, right, on a hunt, like of as far what, as like uh, success rate. Yeah. Uh, this unit, I, I think this unit, the success rate is, uh, just under 50%, which is pretty good. Oh yeah. It's not too bad. Um, and cool. I like, I would guess that like this unit's really hard to hunt. Like there's, there's hardly any roads in it. Like the only way to hunt it is with a backpack basically. So it's yeah. like, so I think the guys who are successful are the ones who are willing to get back into it, like put, put miles in. So, I mean, I think we are putting ourselves in position, hopefully going to put ourselves in position to do well. Yeah. Um, but you just so never is, know. Is your buddy, uh, is he going to be able to keep up with you? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's done a whole lot of, uh, physical training, uh, for this. So, but dude, you are in really good shape right now, like I don't, endurance wise. I don't are. feel that like I, I don't feel like I am, but uh, yeah, but you're wrong. You're in you're in great <laughs> shape right now. Well, From the I'm stuff not, that you've been posting, like you're in great shape. I'm not worried about like the uh, like the conditioning. Like that's not so much what I'm worried about. I'm worried a little bit like about the strength, like just getting up and down the hills. Like I don't have hills to go up and down, so like I try to do squats and lunges to to replicate yeah. that as best as possible. But, um, so like if, if we get a deer, like my pack with, without any water in it, without my gun, like I'm at like 45 pounds probably for my pack just to, just to get all my stuff in there. And then if you, if I do shoot a deer, uh, you know, we're well over a hundred pounds. Um, that's with, that's with my buddy having some of the, having a, a a portion of it as well so i'll be well yeah. over 100 pounds and where we're at like we probably won't have trails so then you're talking just going over rocks deadfalls trees like you're just bushwhacking with all that yeah, yeah. uh that could be tough that could be really tough um so what kind of altitude are we talking 
the unit is basically anywhere from 3,500 feet, which is where can't. That's where I live at. Is 3,500. Okay. Uh, like the highest peak on it is at like 10,000, but probably mm-hmm. probably will be in that seven to eight thousand uh, okay. range. Um, just depends on if the like we're we're going to be there a little bit early, and the mule deer tend to be higher up. Uh, so we may be in the, the highest part of the range, but problem is we can't move. We kind of have to pick an area, uh, in the unit. Cause it's hard to get into one unit, one part of it, and then move it like to get at, like to leave that area is going to take a big effort then to go to another, another part of the unit. So we're going to have to kind of make some decisions kind of just blind, not really have, not really haven't been there to decide on, on where we go. Yeah. You have Google Earth and that sort of stuff, but um, so we'll we'll see. Uh, my my buddy that I'm going with, I mean he's he's not like I mean he's experienced being in the backcountry and and hunting and camping and stuff like that. He's experienced with that, and he's I think he he's not going to be a guy that's going to get back there and just complain a bunch. Like he'll just suffer through it. Like he may be mm-hmm. hurt and he'll just suffer. Um, Whereas I, like, I've been like working out just with the whole goal of not suffering. Like I'll choose to suffer now. Like, so I don't suffer as much then is kind of my goal. Yeah. But I'm still, man, I put that. So I post on discord, like I put that, uh, about 110 pound pack on this morning, just getting it on and off by myself is like, <laughs> walking around with it for for a while and you go to try to get it off and it's like it's like you like loosen one arm and then all of a sudden it's just like like it's falling you're falling you're like oh i i gotta do something different here um so uh trying to just get used to that as much as i can uh at least in that weight range i'm, I'm gonna be yeah. with it just at my house every morning uh this week and trying i'm gonna try to wake up a little bit earlier and get a little bit more more time and distant with it. Um, but that's a lot of weight to, uh, to throw around for sure. At least for that me, is, I think yeah. we no problem. Probably Jeff, be no problem too. He, Jeff's this guy's no. bigger than me, but that's so I've been on one backpacking trip and I was a young teenager at the time. So I was like 14 and it, it was like a, I think it was four or five days. Yeah. And we hiked like, we did like 30, I think we ended up doing 36 miles. That's a lot. Uh, and uh, and we made our packs as light as we freaking could. And mine <laughs> was like, you know, I am I was 14, so I was probably like 120 pounds or something at the time. And my pack was like 40 pounds. That's, yeah. And dude, I, I, I remember breaking down and crying on that trip. Oh, I bet so uh just like we were hiking everybody was bigger than me they didn't want to stop and rest and i dude i just fell apart Uh, (laughs) and it was like we had nowhere we were going that was what frustrated me the most on the trip is like we were just wandering aimlessly until our leader was was like yeah i like this spot um so i was like just give me a goal just give me like something i can be like okay i gotta make it to this point Oh, and wow. it was just like, nope, you go till I say stop. And it just, it broke me, man. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's mentally tough. Like where you can't, you can't look on a map or know like, Hey, this is where we got to get to. And like, 
Yeah, that's tough. And I mean, and a 14 year old with even a pack that big, like that's, that's a heavy pack. Uh, that's, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot as a 14 year old. Oh yeah. I'm but hoping yeah, I then, don't do the same thing. Right. Well, dude, if you have to haul uh, over a hundred pounds, that's going to be nuts. It, nuts. It, it, yeah. It will you fun. take like video? Will you take like, will you like video, like vlog it for us? Yeah. 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 I'll have my phone dude, with me. Dude, dude, vlog some of it and then we'll like chop it together and put it on the YouTube channel. Yeah. What, what, what's the starting weight on your pack? Uh, so without my rifle and without any water, I'm about 45 pounds. So I'll, yeah, I'll lose some food. I'll lose some food out of that, but you're going to be finding stuff to throw away on the way. <laughs> on the way in, I won't be, I mean, the 45 pounds won't be too bad um the way out i mean there's a good chance if we shoot something there's a good chance we will leave all of our camping gear like our tent and all that stuff set up and we'll pack the animal out uh and then hike back in to get our gear like there's a good chance we won't do all that in one trip just depending on how far it is like if we're 10 miles in it's probably two trips i i feel like your starting weight is too heavy that's seven days. Like there, I mean, like there's, right. like, like, like there's not a whole lot of there's not a lot to mm. cut. Because yeah. I've got I've got pretty good like pretty good equipment. I mean, like my tripod is heavier than it needs to be, but I'm also using double duty that I can use my tripod to shoot off of if I need to. Because it's, it's Idaho, it's hills. Like you could you could end up with really be on the side of a hill. And yeah. a tripod can make make finding support way 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 easier. Um, so I'm give I'm adding a little weight with my tripod, not that much. There's a couple pounds there that doesn't have to be there, but otherwise, like that that forty pound that that kind of for six seven days in the backcountry, that forty forty five pounds is really pretty much where it's like that's pretty typical. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting, man. So it'll be fun. Jeff's going to go with me next year. Yeah. Look forward go. to hearing how it goes. I do too. I look forward to hearing how it goes. I, I The good <laughs> thing is like, like uh, I, I don't have to worry about like my buddy, like complaining. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I don't have to worry about him. Like, Oh, this is just no fun. This sucks. Like, like he's, he's a suck it up and, and do it type of guy. And and I, I actually tend like, I don't like to suffer, but like whenever, like whenever I get in the situation, I'm a bit of a, well, just, this just is what it is. Suck it up and it's, it's fine type deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think from that standpoint, it, it'll be a lot of fun. I am itching to, yeah. I am actually, I haven't shot since area three, at least like a handgun. And I'm kind of, I kind of itching to like to go, go shoot a handgun, but I'm shooting my rifle for the most part now. So. I'm looking forward yeah. to after this to getting out and shooting a little bit. Nice. Is is this a a buddy that's been around you when you're like an asshat? Uh so this guy, he was uh he was my campus minister in college. Um, so he's met you in person. Okay. Yes. He <laughs> he 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 uh he married he married my wife and I. Um so he was the okay. one that that was the the officiant or preacher or whatever you want to say at our wedding. Um, and he's actually, he's a preacher down in, uh, Conroe, Texas. Now he was in Austin. He just moved to Conroe a few months ago. Um, he hasn't like, 
it's been probably 10 years since we've like really hung out. Um, oh, so, awesome. So, I mean, it's, it has been a while since we've like, <laughs> since we've hung out like this. Oh, uh, shit. I wish I could watch this. So we, have, so we've got like an 18, like he's driving to my house and then we've got an 18 hour drive and then we're, and then we're packing in. So we're going to be, we're going to be tired from day one. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun, but he's like, Jeff, he's like a guy that you and him would like get along like really well. Yeah. I think, uh, cause I like, get along he, with most people. So that's how this guy is. Like he'll like, I mean, he, he has his opinions, but like, he's like, he loves to hear other people's opinions. Uh, okay. And like, and discuss like those opinions. Like he loves to like talk about it and, and like, he didn't want to like tell you how he doesn't want to tell you how to form your opinion. But like he will like try to like he may help you like give you more information that might maybe that would change your opinion maybe not, um, but he okay. like he's a he's a like he gets along with everybody like he's kind of the guy that just he's laughs and he's a goofball most of the time, um, so it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah, sounds like it. I'll I'm gonna my plan is to try and take video. As, as much as yeah. I can, as much as my battery. I've got like a solar panel so I can charge a battery pack while we're yeah. out there because everything runs on rechargeable batteries. Um, but so I'll, I'll try and, uh, I'll try and take some video. That would be awesome. As, especially if I shoot something like, well, like I've got a phone scope so I can, if, if I can hook it up to my spotting scope. And so like we can yeah. hopefully get like a, like impact shot on the deer and stuff like that, which would be cool. Very cool. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Um, well, okay, so a couple orders of business here at the end here. You guys heard at the beginning, this episode is brought to you by Shooter's Connection. You guys know who Shooter's Connection is. They've supported the sport for a very long time. They support over 100 matches a year, um, sponsoring a product and uh, – helping people take some great stuff away from matches and helping matches uh, happen. So support Shooters Connection. They're doing same-day shipping. If you order from them, I'm sure if you order in a timely manner, don't go ordering at you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, you might not get same-day shipping. But, um, <laughs> there you go. So try to get some uh, stuff from Shooters Connection. And uh, also on that topic – of Shooters Connection. I'll probably be hitting up some Shooters Connection possibly soon because I'm most likely getting rid of my Canics this week or next week. Selling them to a guy locally and possibly picking up another gun, which I will need to outfit. So we'll see how that plays out. But Hot dang. What are we getting? What's our new gun? Single uh, stack. It'll be a 1911. I, I don't know if I'm going to get a 9 mil or another 40. That's kind of where I'm torn right now. We'll just have Jeremy build you two of each. I should, yeah. That would be the easiest choice, of course. You got all that crypto money and the Discord money. You could afford them. Yeah, maybe if I sell the, uh, the Ufala cabin, maybe I could do something like that. <laughs> sell a house, then you can buy some yeah. guns. Yeah. Like that would probably get me four guns. I could do something yeah. like that. Yeah. Man, single stack's gonna be the bussin'. It's gonna be the like you you guys were talking earlier about when is 
how long is carry optics going to be at the top single stack next year is going to be busting man jeff's going to be shooting it i'm going to be shooting it all year like it's going to be anywhere around this area single stack's going to be hot yeah next year be at least have four people yeah <laughs> dude it is so strange that it just like died around here it's uh, you stopped shooting it yeah because i mean it wasn't it wasn't like flourishing but like compared to now it was flourishing uh and i do think that is like when it's when it's nationals this first part of the year people just they they move on they shoot it for that and then they move on and when the top guys move on then other people are looking for yeah for other competition um well, so a, a lot a lot of your more casual guys that shoot it year round or something they're probably not going to attend the area match unless it's like in their backyard yeah but next year next year it's going to be hot we're gonna we're gonna get a bunch of Discord people shooting single stack next year. I feel like oh, it's coming. Probably. I already know of like a couple people that want to shoot single stack, but just don't because it's either dead division or nobody shoots against or people are gonna make fun of them. You know they don't want to be a boomer. Whatever. Oh, it's great. It's the but, it's the best. It is the best division without a doubt. You should shoot whatever division you like. I mean, realistically, we're going to make fun of you regardless of what division you shoot. So, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I mean, I gave. I feel like I gave production a solid go. And it was never really, like, as fun for me. You just felt like you were cheating on somebody, right? Just. Yeah, I just. Yeah. It felt dirty. I felt dirty. I feel disgusting. Well, yeah. I think I think that's important. If you're if if the division or the guns don't excite you or you're not enjoying them, then you should do something else. What's the point? Yeah, Unless it's I BCC. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, please don't yeah, that's just a, a bad habit. You should drop. Yeah. A kid. A kid. Oh, uh, yeah. Jeff asked for if I could show this bottle uh, last week. Because uh, that's oh, what I'm yeah. having again this week. This is blackened by Willet, and that's what the uh, bottle looks like. But it's important because it says Texas edition. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. So the polished it's, turd edition. Yeah, but it's 117 proof. It's it's still really good. Like this is actually if you can find one of these at cask strength, uh, I yeah. would not hesitate to pick one up at all. Because I'm Dude, I'm very impressed with it for the price of it. The bottle they had at my local place, it was that bottle, but I don't know if it was the cask strength. Probably not. This is what I'm enjoying tonight. Uh, my friend John Anderson gifted me this bottle. Sazerac Rye. So it's very mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice bottle. And I'm I'm drinking the, the Russell ten ten year. You still liking it? I am. Dude, there was the one night that I I texted you uh-huh. last week. Yeah. I don't know what it was about that evening, but it was like, it was so sweet. It was like a dessert drink that night yeah. for some reason. Dude, um, I think it's the moose face because actually that same night, like I was drinking a totally different uh, bourbon and it was, yeah. the, it was the same, it was the same thing for me that night. It was, it was, really? it was much sweeter than normal. It was actually the one that I got at area three that, uh, 
that Knob Creek store pick. Um, oh yeah. And that night it was super sweet. It's man, it's like your palate is just different every day. Like your palate, it's weird, especially with, and it seems like it's, it's more so with with whiskey than it is with anything else. But like someday you you, you drink a bottle and it's like it's almost bitter, and then the mm-hmm. next day you drink it and it's like it's like sweet, like it's almost like drinking candy. Uh, and it's just yeah. that's just how it is sometimes. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, and I try to like replicate it. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna eat eat any food or have any sort of sweets or anything like a freaking hour before I have a glass of something. I try to repeat it in that way, but it's still I still haven't been able to taste it to be like that sweet as it was that night. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah, and definitely what you eat the day, like what you've eaten that day, uh affects it. Like if you've had a bunch of sweet like actual sugar like right beforehand, like that can affect it. Um Yeah. You're like just oral hygiene as far as like if you use mouthwash and what kind of mouthwash you use like that can affect it uh the palate as well quite a bit so all that stuff is kind of stuff to mess around with i probably need to just eat more frank's hot sauce that would probably help dude i ran out tonight like i i had a backup but i had i finished my big bottle off last week and then my backup bottle i i i finished it off tonight so like i'm I'm without Frank's in my house and that's not a good feeling because I'm making, I'm cooking wings later to this week. I got to have Frank's for my wings. Man, you don't want to talk about a good bottle. It It is. It's Frank's. it's a staple in my house. <laughs> it is absolutely a staple in my house. It's generally easy to find. Yeah. Yeah. Choosing not to. Oh, they, they have some like limited release stuff that is apparently allocated because I can't find it in my store. Um, so there's some different flavors that they have that I would like to try, but I can't find it. Uh, dude, we're about to start a whole new freaking hobbyist niche. Searching down wing sauce. Yeah. Searching for, <laughs> for limited release Frank sauce. Oh man. I'd be down. <laughs> I'd be down. I'd drive to some stores to check on that stuff. That'd be great. All right, like, comment, subscribe, join the Discord. Uh, if you guys want a stealth Hit Factor hat, uh, you can PayPal me money and I will ship it to you. I have two orders. I have our first two orders. I was supposed to ship today, but my printer, like I printed one sheet and it said your ink is low. And then I went to print another label for shipping and it's like your printer cartridge is expended and it would not. It absolutely <laughs> would not under any circumstance print a sheet um and so i'm waiting for ink to come from amazon because that was out of ink so wait 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 why do you have to print a sheet well okay so like it takes a (laughs) it's a process like to go to the post office and ship stuff like it takes a while and so i have this order from first light that they sent the wrong thing and then and I then ordered another one. I have a duplicate thing. And so I need to ship that. So I, I have to print this return label from them. And so I need to make this trip to the post office. And I was going to ship the hats at the post office at the same time. So I could consolidate one trip to town all in one go. So I don't waste an extra hour on a separate day. So I'm trying to be efficient with my time. Um, 
That, and I can't uh, print off. I can't print that sheet off. That story was really long. You asked for it. I wasn't going to give it, but you asked for it. That is a hundred percent Jeff's fault. <laughs> okay. So you you did get the first light label printed though. No, I got oh, one. Okay. I had there was a, I had to print a label to go inside the box, and I got that printed off. And then I went to print the shipping label for it, and my comp- my printer just refused. It said, you're out of ink. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. So that's my excuse. I don't know if Philip's going to accept is. that, but he's going to, like, he's just going to have to deal with it. He's going to have to live with it. Yeah. This, I'm not yeah, Shooter's I... Connection. Like, this, this will help people appreciate Shooter's Connection so much yeah. more. Because well, they would have had it out a long time ago. I mean, as long as you get it shipped sometime in the next, like, 365 days, it still ships faster than your guns, so. That's true. That's hey. very true. You're not wrong. All right. It's time for bed. Oh, stop recording, damn it. <laughs>